Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Real Talk, episode 58. My name is George. I am, as always, sat alongside my gorgeous, incredibly intelligent, strong men, Seth. The glazing is crazy. <laughs> crazy. Just woke up to glaze the homies, you know? Have you, I saw a TikTok where this guy's trying to get his friends to start calling each other the disciples. And he goes, Imagine how cool it would be if you say glazing the disciples. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but we are back for episode 58. Um, of course, we miss our, our beautiful incredible knowledgeable co-host cam still taking some time away with his family his beautiful wife emma and his son bailey so we hope to have cam back soon uh we have a lovely little episode for you guys today um pretty much the same format as we've been doing for our our horror episodes this month so this will mark week three of that gonna be talking a little bit of a psychological horror today no new releases I don't even know the last week we didn't have any new releases, but we got no new releases today. So we'll start off, obviously, just just shooting our shit, calm banter. We'll go into what we've been watching over the last week since, since we last spoke to you guys. Then we'll jump into our horror movie uh, review of the episode. Mr. Seth has selected us to watch Eraserhead, David Lynch. Um, then we'll have a nice little conversation of psychological horror in general. We'll kind of run through the decades, talk about the progression, maybe our favorite filmmakers in psychological horror. Um, you know, we talked about a few last week as well. Um, and then our draft of the episode, we're going to be drafting horror characters, villains, final girls, final guys, any person, thing, character, fucking pick Chucky if you want, that has appeared in a horror movie eligible for our draft so gentlemen let's just get right into it how have we been how has the week been seth we'll start with you um i know you're not gonna review killers of the flower moon i think we'll do that next week or the week after um but talk to us about about that screening talk to us about i think you went with josiah how is your week overall yeah uh crazy crazy week uh just been back and forth like i went to so I was in London on Saturday, stayed there until Wednesday, but I stayed at a number of like different places. Uh, watched a few screenings. Obviously, I'll go over them after. Went to see, you know, there was a film festival. Went to see a fair few things. Uh, did a bunch of stuff. And then I came home on Wednesday, then got invited to a Killers of the Far Moon early screening, um, which I went. So I went back to London on Thursday. Went to see that with Josiah, then came home on Thursday evening. Now I'm obviously away I'm at my grandma's at the moment. But yeah, it was um screening was cool. Like the actual event, there was no it wasn't like an event for Killers of Farming. It was just like a Dolby screening. It wasn't like an event, like a premiere or anything like that. Uh -huh. Which I kind of appreciate. I feel like I got to a stage where my social battery had just ran out and I just didn't want to speak to anyone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd just been like I'd been like going out every night and like Staying with people and meeting people. I mean, shout out to those people, but like at the same time, I just, I just, I, my, I just my social battery me. runs out even if I haven't been social. Yeah, bro, this is exactly <laughs> me. Like, I, I like being on my own. I like being at home, and I was just away for so long. But like overall, the week was really good. Um, just ate ate some good food, spent a lot of money, watched some good films. It was it was really really good. Just tiring week overall. Um, met loads of people who I hadn't met before. Um, met a couple of our patrons as well. Shout out Remy and Oscar. 
uh, got a chance to. Um, I went on a night out, like like a night out bar thing with Remy and a few of the other people. Met Oscar at a couple of screenings as well, which was really nice. Uh, shout out to everyone who stopped me and spoke to me and said they liked my videos. I got a few people come up and said they liked the podcast, which was really really great. Um, a fair few times actually at the at the film festival, which was really nice. So I appreciate all of you. Um, but yeah, the week was really really good overall. I'll go on to kind of what I watched when we move on to the what we've been watching section. Oh, and the Blumhouse event was cool too. But the Exorcist Believer. <laughs> that, was, that was that was bad. That's really yeah, bad. To, to a point where I don't think Tyler and I will ever see that movie. <laughs> There's no point. There's literally like it's but the, the event was really cool. Yeah. But yeah. The, the the reviews have been so atrociously bad. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I am gonna go to uh the Five Nights at Freddy's event as well, I think. Because I did play the game, even though I'm not holding out high hopes for the film. I was going to say, okay. I'm still skeptical on that movie. I feel like there's I, no I'm way it's as bad as Exorcist Reliever, though. There's no, no way no, it's no, bad. No, no. no that, that was like Halloween ends kind of level, if not maybe less, honestly. But yeah, I am skeptical. I'm going to go to that, I think. Um, got a couple more things this week. Oh, and I did another shoot with Lad Bible, which will probably be out. I don't fucking know, man. Like a few weeks or something. So really just busy, tiring week for me. That's pretty much it. I mean, tiring in a good way. Can't complain. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a good positive week. Good positive week. Mm-hmm. Mr. Tyler, how was your week? Yeah, it's been a good week. Uh, busy as well for different reasons. I'm going to Minnesota next week for like five days, from like Wednesday through Monday. First time going back to see my family in two years. So been a hot minute. Been a, been a long time. Um, so excited for that. It's, it's cold weather up there too, which, you know, in Arizona down here is still basically 100 degrees every day so i'm excited to get back to some winter uh weather so i'm excited to go back to minnesota but you know going away for five days means i have to do a lot of stuff for like actual work like prep prep all that prep real talk and stuff i I filmed like 21 tiktoks the other day to be ready for like just posting while i'm gone just because i don't like missing days uh just like getting stuff ready for the house and the pets it's just like a lot of preparation how did you think of 21 TikToks? yeah i was i I struggled to think of one not gonna lie, a good amount. draft. A good amount of them are like lazy, like filter ones. It's not like the most like creative. Like some of them are yeah, like even actual so, ideas. Like, had, like even yeah. so, that's like impressive, man. I I tried to do like drafts recently. I did three, and I was like, I am so tired right now. I can't even go <laughs> yeah, I, no, I don't know. It, I wasn't even planning on doing because like I I filmed them way ahead of time. Like I don't leave for another like four days, but I don't know. It's just like I was in a weird mood, like which literally never happens. It's like Thursday. I just was like, I'm I'm in the mood to film TikToks, which don't think has happened in like two years. So I was just like, yeah. I was like, basically like I acknowledge that thought in my mind. I'm like, I'm in the mood to film TikToks. I'm gonna capitalize on this because I know I'm not gonna want to freaking film any drafts like this weekend or anything or like any other time. So might as well if I'm in the mood, just like just grind all these out and just get it done with. So I did that, yeah. and now I'm happy because I have a lot less to do this weekend, but uh, still a lot because I gotta you know film this real talk with you guys and then gotta film the next one for the next week while I'm gone because. I don't know. I'm, I'm on a streak and I refuse to miss a week, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, overall been pretty, pretty sound. Awesome. My, uh, just, I, I don't even know the last time I had a video in my TikTok draft. So I respect the I, shit I, that I, you yeah. can just grind out that many videos back to back. It's so impressive. <laughs> people, a, a lot of people do though, George, I think we're in the minority, you know, they're just recording I, posts on the time. This is like, 
I got I got a few DMs yesterday that actually made me laugh. So like my my TikTok posting over the last couple of months has been very streaky. Obviously, I'll go like sporadic. Yeah, one week without posting, and then I'll post and then you post like five times in a, a day or something. I posted four yeah, yeah, times yeah. yesterday, and I got so many DMs like, "Bro, your TikTok pattern is." unbelievable <laughs> yeah um but yeah my week uh also fine um new york film festival was light this week i had one screening uh on uh, well since i saw you guys last i had a screening last saturday and last sunday a screening on thursday uh, on wednesday um and then i went to see ferrari on thursday um, and you then I have spitting uh, distance from Adam Driver. Yeah, yeah, we yeah spit right, on really him. close. We were yeah. right there with Adam Driver. Uh, it was it was really cool. Um, Sophie's favorite actor. She she damn near cried, um, which was. And then she didn't like Ferrari, which was disappointing. Yeah, and then she yeah. didn't like Ferrari, we're, which we're is saying something if it's her favorite actor ever. Yeah, and she's still giving it a two star. <laughs> we're, we're like waiting for the subway, and she goes, "Oh, what am I going to rate this trash?" I'm like, "Oh my god." <laughs> Uh, but no, that was cool. Michael Mann was there. Penelope Cruz was there. Who's just the finest human being on the planet. Respectfully, such a good looking lady. What is she uh, like? Like, obviously, I know who she is, but what's her like main thing she's known for? Just for anyone listening who doesn't know, I don't even know. Oh God, Penelope she's Cruz. done. Is she like the one who? She's not Adam Sandler's like wife and all like the grown ups movies, is she? No, Salma Hayek. No, that's Salma, Salma Hayek. Hayek. I get those two confused. She, oh, um, she was in the one of the terrible Pirates, yeah, Caribbean Pirates of the Caribbean, the fourth one. She, she mainly did a lot glory. of like. Uh, she was in Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise. Um, Zoolander number two, like here that like what's like... a lot of the films though are like the you know Pedro uh, Almodovar, you know the guy who did like, mm-hmm. the skin I yeah. live in and stuff, and the strange the way Spanish of life. guy. I think he was she was in quite a few films of his though that I haven't seen, so big films in the Spanish market. Anyway. Yeah, but that's weird looking at her film because I feel like Penelope Cruz is a name like everyone knows, but like looking at her filmography, I'm like, what? Which one of these is, like the standout? Like this is what everyone knows her from. And I'm not really. Has she been that. in a TV show? Maybe. Yeah, I don't think she has like yeah, that I don't know. movie. I don't know why she's so known, but shout out her. Um, <laughs> isn't Shia? Wait, is Ferrari the one Shailene Woodley's in that apparently has a terrible accent that everyone's talking yeah, about? Yeah, she was. I didn't even know she was in that movie. I didn't know she was in it either. I didn't know Patrick Dempsey was in it, but yeah, Shailene woodley's she was the the bad part of ferrari her accent was like it was on and off it was like it was like lady gaga in house of gucci bad like it was just something at points she wasn't even trying there was no accent to be heard Um, i don't know who that is who is that she uh, was... she's the main girl in Divergent. If you ever yeah. saw that dystopian movie, oh uh, yeah, so yeah, she was. She, yeah. I had, dude, I had the maddest crush on her when I was like <laughs> fourteen. Like she was like my, I was obsessed with her when I was in, like junior high and high school. She was like my first ever like true love. Oh, she was in the <laughs> Fallout. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah. remember that. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, I do remember. Uh, but yeah, other than film festival, pretty pretty lax week of work. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, I Seth, I know you just shouted out everyone that came up to you, so I'm I'm gonna shout out um, Diego Coya and Daniel Stegman. They both came up to me after my viewing of Hitman, which was two weeks ago. But um, thank you guys for coming up to me. Obviously, that just you know makes me very happy. Um, so I want to shout you guys out. Um, but yeah, so that's that's about um, it on how we're doing. Um, I know we kind of slowly touched on what we've been watching over the last couple of days, but Seth, what have you been watching over the last couple of days? And if you want, I mean, go if you want to talk about like Kills the Flower Moon briefly. I'll, I'll just like briefly, to. yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
obviously the most obvious excited one was Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, I loved it. I, I, I truly just loved it. I do think, and I do have a feeling that it will be, uh, it will get the same reception as like The Irishman, um, Silence, where it's like you'll get people loving it, but then you'll get people thinking, okay, that's I like it, but it's like near the bottom. Scorsese's ranking for me or whatever. Um, the length didn't bother me at all, like at all, and that's not just me just saying. I actually think it even felt faster than than The Irishman, for example. I think it really went by weirdly quickly, but I do think it's one of his most monumental achievements in film to date. And I think. You know, I went to the Scorsese talk last week, which was like a bucket list experience, just being in the same vicinity as him and listening to him talk about film and his influences. And I think even that, I kept, you know, thinking about it throughout the film and thinking about, you know, him speaking about the film before that. Um, amazing experience. Uh, five out of five, so it's the first five for me this year. Uh, it currently sits uh, fourth in my Scorsese ranking out of 27 films, I think. So what are the three above it? If you know off the top of your head. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. It's silence Goodfellas and Silence. One. Goodfellas. Is it Taxi Driver? It's got to be Taxi Driver. It, it yeah. Oh, taxi look, driver. At, look at us. So it's, yes. And then it's just the head of uh, Raging Bull at five. That's what it is. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, like really loved it. I went with Josiah. We both just were like just in awe the whole time. And you know, if you're watching a three and a half hour movie, you know, I didn't I didn't go to the toilet once. I didn't even look at my, like, look at my watch once. I was just there. And me and him were just locked in amazing experience loved it um saw priscilla as well the day before liked priscilla a good amount she was like a 3.5 but it was a high 3.5 um i think sphere cobbler did a really really good job of showing a notoriously disguised relationship and kind of going into the ins and outs of being critical of elvis unlike baz Luhrmann's elvis which was obviously quite fancy and showy offish kind of thing i think it was good um i think the cast jacob lodi was great like i really really liked him as Elvis. is he even comparable to austin butler are their performances no, of Elvis so different that you can't really compare because so he's not really different. performing he's, in, in priscilla right yeah he's so he's like a a subdue kind of individual who's like controlling but kind of subtle um it's it's not i don't think you could say like you know when i put my review on people like messaging me saying is he better than Austin Butler, you can't you can't compare. Do you know what I mean? Because it's just two completely different um, performances. But I think he did really really well. And I also think that I can't remember the, the name of the girl who who played Priscilla. She was great. Mm -hmm. She was really really good. Um, actually, probably I mean they're not comparable at all. But I'm just gonna compare them anyway. I prefer it than Elvis. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. uh, I watched Maestro as well. Bradley Cooper's new film. Uh, I give it a three. Uh, actually, shout out to when I sat down Maestro. I sat I sat down to two guys, and then one of them turned around and went. Oh shit! I watch your videos all the time. I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> and then I just, me and him, um, I'll shout them out to um, Declan and Toby. Had a, had a nice chat with them too, just about the films they watched. That was really good. My show, I liked. I think I think Bradley Cooper, his abilities as a director is there. Like he knows how to compose an image structurally. It was really it was really good. The use of color was great. It was just the script that was a bit like Lust of Me. I, I found it to be a bit too over-sentimental at times, a bit too try-hardy, especially with the first half in the black and white section. But it was it was, it was, was fine. I also thought it felt, like, for example, that was like two hours ten, and for me that felt longer than Killers of the Flower Moon did. Um, like, it felt like a long film. Um, mm -hmm. I get that three-star. Overall, decent time. Night Watch, Demons Are Forever, which was a really random Danish horror film. Didn't like it at all. Um, <laughs> had, had a Q&A with the director and the main and the main actress after. Um, Do you ask him why it sucks so bad? <laughs> no, man. It was, it was like they did a Q&A with the audience. And 
every person who asked me a question was American. I was like, where am I right now? What the fuck? It was <laughs> really, it was really weird. Yeah. A Danish film in London and America. And everyone was American. It was so random. Um, but yeah, and then I saw Evil Dead uh, at the same cinema as well on film. 35mm screen of Evil Dead. That was really fun. Uh, great time with that. Uh, Boy in the Heron I watched as well. I'm a bit higher on it than George, but not like crazy on it. I don't think it's near, you know, the, the best I've seen from Miyazaki. I know obviously now we know it's not a send-off film and he's going to be making more films. It did feel like a send-off film. It felt like a, a final chapter in his direction, all his elements, a very imaginative film, very childhood-like film, dream-like film, such as all those other ones. I give it a four-star. Um, but I do think, you know, like, uh, you know, The Wind Rises, Mononoke, Housing Castle, through through. I do prefer them. But I still, a low-tier Miyazaki is still like a great film. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> it's not like another filmmaker where it's, you know, he's this this the guy. Uh, and then I, the final thing I watched, I watched the Noir on the Way, and I also watched um, obviously The Exorcist Believer, which I give it a one star. And honestly, I'm thinking, <laughs> now, why, why did I even give it a one star? Like it's crazy. It was, and I'm not exaggerating. It was like, like really bad, like horrendously bad. I can't. They, they managed to make a, an exorcism scene so boring to the point where I was falling asleep <laughs> the whole time. And we were at the cinema we were in at this event. We were on, we had like sofas. It was one of those sort of cinemas, you know, the kind of casual mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. I was literally falling asleep. I was like, this is so shit. <laughs> um, so yeah, get that one star, could be in a half, but overall, really positive experience. De- best thing I watched was definitely Kills of Fire Moon and The Boy in the Heron. And then obviously the Scorsese and Edgar Wright talk was just amazing. That was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the best thing of the event. But yeah, really, really a few good watches this week. A few good watches. Awesome. Ton of stuff. Tyler. Yeah, so let's see. Uh, I rewatched Fair Play. Uh, I, I lowered it from a 4.5 to a 4, but I still really liked it. It's a, I'd say it's like a succession crossed with a sanctuary from this year. So if, if that sounds interesting to you, I would check it out on Netflix. I definitely had a really good time with it. Um, oh, is that on Netflix now? I didn't realize. Yep, yep. It was a Netflix release. Uh, watch oh. Okja, uh, Bong Joon Ho's Okja. It's definitely like the most in your face, like not super subtle film of his, but it's like meant to be like, he never really tries to make that one subtle, but uh, I enjoyed it. Didn't love it. It was a three and a half star. Like I really good. Like it's similar to what you're saying about like Miyazaki. It's like, I mean, how bad can like a Bong Joon-ho film be? Like, even if you don't think it's near his best, like it's still like a 3.5 star. Like it's still a great, great movie. Uh, Watch Gone with the Wind. Just feel like it was like a movie. I just had needed to cross off for a long time. Didn't care for it all. I was so bored the entire time. I've just watched didn't... that once, and I remember being very bored. I can't. Yeah, I, I, I just didn't didn't care for it at all. And it was like four freaking... hours, man. Yeah, it was like three hours fifty five <laughs> minutes. It was a grind to get through, but and it was just like not fun. But I, I got it checked off at least. Um, watch Finding Dory, which like. I don't know what where does the like what do you guys rate Finding Dory? It's the most, most three star film I've ever seen in my life. It's yeah. like it's fine, but I wouldn't remember it. That I still I don't really remember what happens in it. It's like a, a, a fine serviceable film. And that's it. It doesn't <laughs> yeah, really do anything. That's exactly how I land on it. Like there'd be a, a scene that would happen. I'd be like, this is just like Finding Nemo 2.0. Like this doesn't feel original. Like this, why do we have this? But then it'd be immediately followed up by a scene where I'm like, okay, that was cute. That was like heartwarming. Like I really like yeah. that scene. So it's like. It was just a like constant back and forth to me between this is unnecessary and dumb to like, okay, that was, that was cute. And like, yeah, uh, yeah nicely. Yeah, yeah. And the ending, I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. This whole, <laughs> like, it's definitely not a bad movie. It was wholesome for sure. 
Um, start, I've started watching all the Spy Kids movies. I only have the fourth one to go, which yeah, is really bad. The third one is good. The, I, don't, I, the like, first, I like the first one, too. I I'll the give the first one a four star. I think the first yeah. one's why great. Did, why actually, did you randomly decide to kill this franchise? Because they're so good. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. I wouldn't watch the... I haven't seen the like the last two or whatever the really bad ones the new one i haven't watched that yeah like so i at first i watched spy kids armageddon because i was like working and i needed something on the side and like you know i've said it time and time again i'm not going to watch an actual like good movie when i'm working so threw on spy kids armageddon and honestly like the the, the story was there like it's still by robert rodriguez so it's still from the original guy like the movie itself and like the the main like villain like the big tech ceo is the guy from game night who's the blonde guy who's like the stupid like jock oh, yeah, guy yeah, yeah. i really like I, I just like him he's a cool guy um the, the kid actors are so bad though and especially after re-watching the original spy kids which where i thought the kid actors were like pretty good in those that made like new spy kids even look worse because i was like i watched the new spy kids i was like how hard can you be on kid actors you know and then rewatched the original i'm like man these like because like emily osmond from like you know hannah montana she's like a supporting one in the main ones i'm like she had so much charisma and like was like actually like a good actor it's like seven years old i was like yeah so you can there's definitely good and bad kid actors, but I like the original Spy Kids a lot. Spy Kids 2 didn't care for. Spy Kids 3D is my favorite, though. It's just so fun. Um, it's just so funny rewatching that one because the kid. When Elijah Wood comes in and shit. Yeah, that, so that's hilarious. The guy. The guy. Yeah, the so guy. Funny. But the funniest the thing to me was like the. So Junie, like the, the, bo- the boy Spy Kid. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I feel like Spy Kids 3D, like he just had the most open schedule because literally, like, he's like the only guy in it from the original movies for like the first like hour. And then his sister comes in for a little bit. And then the parents come in for like the final 10 minutes. So I feel like they're like, we need to make a Spy Kids 3, but damn, everyone's schedule is booked. They all come in right. Except Junies. So they're like, all right, we're we're building the whole movie around you, dude. You're the only one who's free right now. Did you see um, Glenn Powell in it as well? Yeah, Glenn Powell jump scare. Selena Gomez is in it for like three seconds. Like, so wild. Like, all these. It's actually got like a weirdly good cast, like, for now. Like, like, yeah, like, Bill Bill Paxton comes in at the end. Like, (laughs) just wildly stacked. But the biggest takeaway from the Spy Kids movies is Emily Osment, like, who obviously was Lily and Hannah Montana, from what most people know from, from like a young age. She was just like crazy good, which like makes sense. Like, Haley Joel Osment, her brother, like, obviously was an incredible child actor, too. So, I don't know if they're their parents or they had some acting coach, but that, that family. Knew, one as well, wasn't she? Yeah, she's in the second she and liked... third, but like that family just yeah, knew how yeah, to yeah. act from like day one, which is just crazy. Um, and then watch Sexy Beast, which I, I know uh, Seth you'd seen. It's, it's Jonathan Glazer's debut. I'm trying to go through his filmography before I see the Zone of Interest. And his filmography, like, there's only like five films, so it's not that long to get through. Yeah, and I've already seen Under the Skin. But yeah, Sexy Beast is super fun. The final shot was crazy, like because. Obviously, John and Glazer is a super experimental, like weird kind of guy. And there's elements yeah. of it, sexy beast, but mostly it's just kind of like a crime thriller. Um, but the final shot, so crazy. I'm like, oh, there's Jonathan Glazer, just the final shot of the movie. Yeah. I was like, Jesus. I think Ray Win- I think Ray Winston's so good in it. I, I think that's such yeah, a good yeah. Role. Such a good he's role. the main guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Ray Winston's yeah, the guy. What he was in like the departed and stuff like that. He's mm-hmm. a brilliant actor. I really like him. Well, um, watch Midnight Ruin. Shout out to the Raiders of the Lost podcast, boys. Really, really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Cinematography goes crazy on that. It's on their YouTube. Crazy. Um, so Raiders of the Lost podcast. Uh, search that on YouTube. You'll find it. Midnight Ruin. Um, really, really good short film. So go check it out. Uh, and then Eraserhead, which is what we're going to be reviewing on this episode. The Descent, which George and I already filmed our review of, but that'll be up on Friday. 
Um, oh, and then, shit. I want to know you guys fucking... I want to know your thoughts, man. <laughs> you have to tune Tyler in. Yeah. Yeah. I need to tune Tyler in. <laughs> no, I, I, I am a member. Tyler, can you text me your score? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll text it to you. But uh, uh, for the patrons, it's still hidden on... Or not for the For everyone, that my review is still hidden on Letterboxd, obviously. But you see that on Friday when we post it. And then lastly, watch Love and Other Drugs. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway. Rom-com oh. drum. Which literally... T- it took me like an hour into the movie before I even realized it was set in the 1990s and that this was like a biopic, like based on a memoir of someone. Cause like it's around like Jake Jonah Hall is basically like a, a sales rep for pharmaceutical sales for like when Viagra was released. But the whole like first hour of the movie, like they kept talking about like how there's this new drug coming out. That's going to like make your dick hard and have improve your sex life. And I was like, don't they know about like are, is this just a universe where Viagra doesn't exist? Like, what are they talking about? Like, it was like, a, but then like, cause I don't know, like, when there's no cell phones that like i feel like movies yeah. don't usually show so many cell phones so i was just like this seems like it just said you know if this movie came out in 2010 there's a 2010 movie i was like I are they just making a weird movies. universe for viagra doesn't exist then they're like <laughs> then like i'm like oh wait and then i googled it in the middle of the movie like oh shit this is like from like the there's supposed to be like the 90s there's like a biopic of like viagra being released I was like what the hell like i, I didn't even pick up on yeah. that in the slightest <laughs> um but yeah that's what i've been watching um quite all over the place yeah eclectic bunch of movies there um I'm kind of all over the place too, uh, between like film festival, a couple of rewatches and just some horror stuff. Uh, watch Richard Linklater's Everybody Wants Some. Uh, a lot of people have been pushing me to watch that for a while. One of my favorite Linklater immediately. I Is that the one that with movie. Owen's review that you tweeted? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what film was this? Yeah. Everybody, Everybody Wants, wants Some. Oh, Howell. it's a good film. Great film, film. yeah. A um, couple of rom-coms, When Harry Met Sally, uh, You've Got Mail, Sleepless in Seattle. Um, You're a big Meg Ryan guy. Big Meg Ryan guy. Love Meg Ryan. 90s Meg Ryan hits different. Um, (laughs) A couple of film festival stuff. Anatomy of a Fall. Um, Sandra Hewler in that that movie is my best actress pick right now. Um, La Chimera. Really like that one. Same with Zone of Interest. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a controversial movie, but I'd be, I'm very curious to see how, where you guys land. Same with me, Midnight Ruin. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, the 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 Davini boys, um, clearly very inspired filmmakers. I'm very excited to see where they where they go next. I said in my Letterboxd review, it's the aesthetic of a No Country for Old Men, um, but it's very ambiguous and it just asks you to to it just begs you to ask a lot of questions on uh, you know life, decision making, morality. So I think they did a really good job with that short film. Really proud of those guys. Um, I watched Jennifer's Body. Did not think I was going to like first that movie. Watch. First watch. I did not think I was going to like that movie. I like that film. As film. I thought everyone was like... Meme in it. Yeah, I thought it was like a meme. You know, the way people kind of yeah. did for like Violet Night or something where it's like, oh, five stars, great movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But no, I gave it a three and a half. I, I really enjoyed my time with that one. Um, Creep 2, I watched. It's fine. Soul Survivor, shout out Marta for the recommendation. That was a really solid uh, 80s movie. Um, very reminiscent of It Follows um, in terms of it's just very slow, suspense-building suspense horror. So if you like It Follows, I definitely recommend checking out Soul Survivor. Um, Eraserhead, we will talk about in like three minutes. Um, and then I watched Totally Killer last night, which uh, is, I guess, the the horror what a phenomenon going around everyone watched this movie um i thought it was just fine definitely laughed more than i expected to but um 
cute little, you know, time travel slasher flick. Um, so that's about it for me. Um, a couple more, but who cares? Um, but let's get into our review of the week. Um, Seth picked out Eraserhead for us. Um, it was a rewatch for me. It was definitely a rewatch for Seth. Tyler, I'll be first. honest. I don't actually get a chance to watch it, but I only watched it like a month ago. So it's like, yeah, that's yeah. the same thing with me and the descent. Um, Tyler, was this a first watch for you? Yep. So we'll start with Tyler. First watch thoughts on, can David I just say David? one thing? No, I just want to say one thing. <laughs> yeah. Very tight for me between the Twix, Leo and, um, Killian. Killian. Did not expect that. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Uh, oh, and Lily Gladstone was also amazing as well. But obviously everyone knows that. Everyone keeps saying um, that Lily Gladstone was phenomenal in Killers of the Flower Moon. But a lot of people were saying there's nothing like flashy about her performance. The very it's reserved very, It's very reserved. It's very subtle. There's only like... There's only like one moment where she's. It's, I think you saw it in the trailer where she's screaming in, in anguish and in, in pain, but there it's very reserved, very subtle, very kind of heartbreaking, but not in a way which is like in your face, like I like a, a, a Tony Collette in her edit. It's not like that. It's not yeah. an animated performance. Which to, so I think it'd be very interesting to, to see Lily how Gladstone's like disadvantage. I think that plays against her in the Oscars because it, it does, which traditionally is like like you know that animated flashy yeah, yeah, yeah. animated performance. Um, which for yeah. me is why, so I haven't seen killers obviously, but right now my number one is Killian Murphy. My number two is actually Glenn Powell and Hitman. Mate, I, I just, don't, Josiah would not stop speaking. I know. I saw it. Five so stars. I saw that. I know. Well, you did you um, give it four and a half? I gave it four and a half. I gave it four and a half. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that movie's going to be nominated for anything, unfortunately. But if it were up to me, he's currently my number two for best actor. He was wow. fucking stellar in that movie. Like, to the point where, like, he needs to be the best, the lead actor in a ton more movies. Like, I didn't know he had this much range in him. Do not mention, the, don't, don't. Don't mention <laughs> that movie. It looks so bad. Oh my God. It looks that, so bad. Yo, oh my god, that leaked trailer just looked Oh my god. <laughs> that bro, this guy like there were cheating allegations for that. Mm-hmm. Like at least produce something good out. It was crazy. Yeah, literally. Looks, bro. bro, I don't even know if they were allegations. They I feel like they just <laughs> fully admitted that shit. Well they had so much chemistry, and then you watch them talking on trailers like what the fuck? Yeah, this is yeah. Maybe I, that was like the producer, no. the director, like he saw the writing on the wall as it was coming together, like this movie's shit. We you guys are gonna need <laughs> to drum up <laughs> you need to market this for me because this is not gonna do well. Yeah. Uh, but, but, anyway, but all right, let's let's get into a racer head. Tyler, first watch. What were your initial thoughts? Yeah, so the the quick synopsis is just is very short on Letterbox and doesn't really give away much. Just in heaven, everything is fine. Henry Spencer tries to survive his industrial environment, his angry girlfriend, and the unbearable screams of his newly born mutant child. So Razorhead, David Lynch's debut. It's like a student film that like translated into a not student film because it took him like seven years total to make. Um, so it was like produced by him, which makes sense to me because it's such a such a wild debut that like i don't know how like anyone like would like you know finance this so it makes sense like it was kind of like a student film that grew into something bigger um yeah this is a this is a wild movie man this is a, especially for a debut just a wild wild film um 
It's the only David Lynch I've seen so far, so I guess I'm just starting from the beginning. I shouldn't have picked. I don't think. Like I know you. Well, I'm not going to say what you thought of it yet, but I, sh- I, I, I think that was a bad pick for me, to be honest. I think you should rewatch it. You know, when you've like watched more Lynch, because I think it'll be like okay. Yeah, but I mean, if, if it's it's order, like I mean, it's his debut, so it's like when people first experienced Lynch as it was coming out, like it was like the first movie they'd ever seen. Yeah, so it, I still think it's interesting it, to go. From I that agree. I just think too. there's like there's ones which have his weirdness, but also like a, a genuine narrative to follow, so you can kind of ease into it, which is kind of why like Blue Velvet is the one I always recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on that one. No, I, I definitely rate it positively. I give it a seven point six out of ten for four stars. Um, I'm not going to act like I said this in my letterbox review. I'm not going to act like I'm. I understood everything, but it definitely picked up no a lot in this path. movie. Yeah, in terms of no clearly in my mind, our main characters, it's, it's kind of just him going through just maturity, just growing up, and the anxieties and horrors and mental health struggles that comes with it, from getting married to having kids to working a career to trying to get by in this world, just like dealing with all the constant pressures and anxieties life throws at you. And the way David Lynch brings that across is through wild imagery, crazy practical effects, bizarre sequences, piercing score that just like is, just adds to the paranoia. But the biggest thing for me, honestly, is Jack Nance. I thought was so good in this. He probably has like a total of 20 words he says throughout the movie, but his ability to act with his facial expressions and his eyes. Yeah. And, is so crazy some of the best just like facial expression acting of all time and this movie came out in the 70s so 40 years or so after like the silent film era ended but i feel like jack nance would have crushed it as a silent film actor because that's all you're relying on like the charlie chaplin type actors that just are all facial expressions and he, he just is so good um but yeah just definitely a very anxiety inducing film that's just so bizarre and just so wild to try and digest and it, like i said again in my letterbox review it's it's an impossible film to properly digest, period. But on a first viewing, it's basically impossible film to fully digest. But I definitely was able to walk away pulling a lot from it. Um, but yeah, just so many bizarre sequences, like with the freaking chicken. And and just uh, that that's the one that's <laughs> sticking me the most. But I feel like I feel like Ari Aster is like influenced by this film a ton. Like I feel like I find so much a Razorhead influence now that I'm looking back on it. And Ari Aster's movies about how he tackles the anxieties of this world from family and from relationships and from children and from parents um but obviously especially Bo is afraid for sure i just like when i was watching i was like oh this just gets so i'm getting so many of the same emotions that i got from watching Bo is afraid but yeah 7.6 out of 10 for four stars um obviously it's a, i'm honestly shocked that the letterbox average is a 3.9 it's rated so highly i think that's probably just because not that many people have watched it overall like it's not a very populist film but definitely I, I a lot of it was like quite is it not that what i thought was like quite watched music. yeah three hundred seventy six thousand. No. i guess so it, it, it's i think it's because lynch has like brought out more stuff so people like know that he's a bit of a fucking weirdo do you know what i mean so they kind right of yeah that now whereas if this was like the average i don't know if you guys saw the um video that was going around on twitter it was like the immediate theater reactions of people watching a raise head for the first time and they're really funny because people are like, what the, f- like, what the fuck was that? Do you know what I mean? So I think it was then a bit different because I think now people just know what to expect when it comes to David Lynch. You know what I mean? Right. I still know people that hate it at the same time. Though. But yeah, just just a, just a wild movie. And it's like kind of cool that it like took like seven years to make because during like basically he already had when he started making this film, he had his first young kids and then he was married. But then he got divorced like halfway through making this movie. And then he got like remarried right when this movie came out. So he probably had like a relationship going like towards the end of this movie. So it's like 
he went through so much with his own family life throughout the production of this that I feel like just like, influenced this film so much throughout the production, just like how weird and wild and so much anxieties with like the family dynamics of this movie. So yeah, cool film. Uh, I can easily see why people hate it. Obviously, there's that guy who commented like on all of our letterbox reviews saying like zero out of ten for zero stars, or, like worst movie ever. Worst so, movie ever. Block came right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that's that's my thoughts on it. Uh, Seth, I'm going to save your thoughts for last because I'm, I'm excited fun. to hear what you have to say. Um, but from my perspective, this was a rewatch. It was a, a long overdue rewatch because I hadn't seen it in quite some time. I'm kind of like right there with Tyler. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like this this movie flowed through my brain like properly and fluidly. Um, I, it's definitely one of those movies where after it, I, I had to kind of read up on it um which definitely elevated how i came out of that film even tyler reading your review helped me kind of understand bits and pieces here and there of this movie and kind of how i should be interpreting it or how david lynch intended it to, to to come off to his audience um a bit too you know experimental for me i i, I hate to be, like be that guy um that 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 fucking loser film bro uh, but there were moments in this movie where everything just kind of came off a little cheesy and a little corny, um, and it just kind of got a little headache-inducing here and there. Um, but overall, I, I, I liked what David Lynch was going for here. Um, Tyler, I like that comparison to Ari Aster because it's definitely um, you know, very visible in Ari Aster's filmography. They both have this this very unique and, and kind of grotesque way um, – uh, of of sharing their thoughts on like how they perceive things like life and love and maturity and adulthood. Um, and I think when you look at his films through that lens, it definitely amplifies the experience. Um, I want to rewatch this movie like immediately, um, especially having watched it, not quite understood it. And then kind of reading into you know, everything from like what David Lynch was going for watching some interviews with David Lynch. Um, it's definitely a movie I'd like to rewatch now that I have this, this newfound perspective on it. And I'm sure I'll have even more, um, things to think about after Seth, after we, I hear what you have to say, cause I was very excited that you picked this movie because it's a movie I'd like to, I want you to kind of not explain to me, but I'd like to get your perspective on it and how you perceive it. Cause I know you're rather, um, I know you're very high on like Lost Highway. You're very high on Mulholland Drive. So I know you're a big Lynch guy in general. Um, but yeah, for me, I thought this was good. Um, I, I don't think I put it in that great category quite yet. Maybe after rewatch, yes. Maybe now that I kind of understand what the intention of the film is. Um, so I'll leave it there. For me, it's a three and a half right now. Um, Seth, I, 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 I need to hear your thoughts on this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like... I think with any David Lynch film, you're not meant to completely understand it. There's always going to be things that you don't. So I've seen a raise ahead. I'm going to say not like, like four times, maybe in my life. So not a crazy amount. I watched it when I was younger. I was like, I have no idea what's going on right now, but <laughs> the reflection in this film are very similar to, to what Tyler's already said. I'll add a few of my own interpretations, but it's very, very, I get exactly the same from, from it as, as, as Tyler did. I think essentially it's a mood piece. It's not for, meant to follow one particular structure and he utilizes elements of, of, of dark paranoia, uh, paranoia inducing energy to really heighten the feel. I think he has a very low budget feel, which, which heightens everything in my eyes. And I think where Lynch really excels is 
putting you in in our main character's kind of mindset. And I think Tyler's bang on. I think it is Lynch putting across his fears at the time, the fear of failing failing as a father. Um, yes, it's quite weird using you know a a mutant baby to symbolize that, and it will go over some people's heads as it did with my first watch. Don't get me wrong. And I think even now. There's so many points I still don't understand because you, you're not really meant to and you kind of come, you know, you drum up your own conclusions to it. But I think essentially it is a mood piece and it focuses on isolation being the main point. You know, we see many, many times how isolated our main character is, how he, how he longs for connection, but then also at the same time, his fear of parenthood, his fear of obligations, his fear of growing up. You know, you could, you could see a razor head at the same time as like a fucked up coming of age film. Because it really goes into the psyches of what it's like growing up, what it's like having all these responsibilities at the time, but kind of put across in this nightmarish way to really heighten every every sense of feel. I think that it is, you know, incredibly distinct. It is such a, a lynch film and it's going to work for some and not work for others. But I think he conveys it in such a, an odd and bizarre way that it's a film like this is guaranteed to be to be polarizing um, because of its execution. And I, I do think. I get it. I get why people don't like it because I think it's very mysterious. I think as with many of his films, but there's, there is, there is a lot here. Um, and I spoke about this many times, but I think a razor is one of those films that people kind of immediately uh, will cross off as like a, not a shock film, but like a, just a, a bunch of weird shit with no substance. But I think there's a lot here. I think it really goes into Lynch's life, his own feelings at the time, you know, having just had children himself, having worried about what he's going to do, being a student, worried about his livelihood, but, but put across in his dark, psychedelic, unique field that will often put people uh, turn people off. Um, so Razor, I think, is probably one of the most impressive debuts ever uh, for me because of the, how much it packs into one film, especially with a runtime of 89 minutes. And I do think it's scary, creepy, but it makes you feel exactly what he is feeling. I think that highlights Lynch's strength as an artist to be able to just throw you the most disturbing and freaky imagery and actually have it say something about not only his life, but about people growing up around that time in general and, and fearing obligations, which we all do. You know, we've all uh, had a new job or got, got sites, just, you know, graduated, whatever it might be, having kids, whatever. There'll be pe things you can relate to in this movie. You just have to kind of find out the right way and understand where he's coming from. But I don't. I also don't blame you if you don't, because like George said, it is. It's weird. It's very weird. And I, I see people giving it, you know, one star, two star, whatever. I, I get it because it's, it's not you know a, a usual film. But I, I do think it's a really, really strong artistic piece that you just kind of have to give a chance to. And also, aside from that, I actually really, really enjoy it. I think it's it kind of fits my style perfectly and what I like from a film. I like to figure out things, and I like something that is entirely ambiguous throughout. Um. So yeah, I give it a raise ahead a a four and a half. I'm obviously higher on it than both of you, but not. You know, it's. I think it's uh, fifth in my in my Lynch ratings, which says a lot because it's a four and a half. I have um, Mulholland Drive, uh, Blue Velvet, Elephant Man, and Lost Highway above it. I would urge both of you to be fair to watch Blue Velvet because Blue Velvet for me is like it has all of his elements of like a surrealist nightmare and like a psychedelic feel, but then it also follows a strict pattern. There is like a story and a narrative to really put across. And that's the one I usually recommend first. Um, but yeah, I think I think Eraser Head's really, really great. I understand why it's so polarizing. I think it's not going to be for everyone, but I think it, there's a lot there. Um, so yeah, four and a half out of five for me. I'm gonna steal one of. Well, first off, I I've only seen this was my. Well, I've, I've seen three Lynch movies: Mulholland Drive, Eraser Head, and Dune. Um, oh, so I didn't even know you've seen Dune. Yeah, I did. Have watch you seen Dune. Twin Peaks? No. 
I haven't seen. So my mum actually bought me like it's one. It's like one of my mum's favorite shows, and she bought me like the because there's obviously there's the original show, then there was a film, and then he did a reboot season in 2017. I've got all of them. I just struggle to commit to shows. I know this is Lynch, and I'll end up loving it. It's just so much time. Do you know what I mean? Like, but shows is, is the show? Do I have to watch the show before I watch the movie? Because there was a movie yeah, one, like '89. Yeah, yeah. No, so the so the show was. I think the film was '92. I think. And, the and show that was came that was that. that so there was two seasons before that I'm pretty sure my, my talent so there was I think there was yeah two seasons before that and then the show and then he did the return season 2017 I think so I think you do have to watch the two seasons and then the film it's like it's completely yeah. into the universe you know I mean but okay. that's got like really good review I know I know I'll probably love it but that's the only thing I haven't I've seen all Lynch's other films so I just I need yeah. to get around to I've it. obviously been meaning to watch Lost Highway because you watched it like three times in the last like four months or something <laughs> yeah <It's, laughs> you uh, that's it like time. my new yeah that's like um, my new one I, I I think you'll like um I mean I love Mulholland I think, I think... Drive and I liked Eraserhead so I'm not like I'm not I, yeah, anti-Lynch I... by any means it's got more horror horror elements than ah, Mulholland Drive actually. It's got some weird shit, but yeah, Mulholland Drive. We should do a Lynch episode, man. That'd be so good. I, I'd I'd commit to his filmography if we commit to an episode. Um, Only when Cam's back, because that would be so funny. <laughs> Cam would be like, what? Um, Eraserhead stealing one of Tyler's, you know, legendary real talk quotes is, is a movie I respect but don't necessarily love. Um, I think for a debut, it's a crazy vision. Um, it's one of those risks in film that like I you just rarely see, especially when it comes to a directorial debut. Um, I know when we were talking about um, M. Night in our deep dive episode, we were kind of talking about The Sixth Sense and how M. Night kind of opened his career kind of showing the general public that like, yes, he can make this very conventional film, but then he's going to get into his weirder shit. David Lynch just kind of jumped right into that weird shit. And that, from my perspective, at least that could have broke his career immediately. Um, which is, I think just... though with like M night, he obviously did like two films before, I think, whereas yeah. like they were lower tier, but they didn't get like the recognition. I, I I don't know what they're like, Tyler. Are they weird films? You know, the first two M night did. No, no, they're not. Uh, they just like, they're like his most yeah. normal movies. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, I thought it'd be like that because like with Lynch, it, and I think the thing is with Lynch as well, he has such a small filmography. You know, his last film was in two thousand. He's technically still working. His last film was in two thousand seven. At a raise head was what 77, 78, 77, I think. And seventy seven. Yeah, I think yeah. he's. I think he's done. I'm gonna say eight films. Do you know what I mean? So in that in that amount of time, it's it's a it's a pretty short filmography, eight or nine films, whatever it is. So I think people obviously recognize a lot more and. I would actually say, like, Lynch as a, as a director isn't exactly accessible. Of course he's not. And Eraserhead is probably one of, if not his least accessible. Do you know what I mean? And I think that says a lot about him as a filmmaker. I'd actually say his most recent is probably the least accessible. Inland Empire, that was the one with Laura Dern in 2007. That's fucking weird. Like, that's like... <laughs> Eraserhead's weird, but Inland Empire is, like, three hours weird. Three hours of just nonsensical confusion i mean i liked it but i'd be keen to do episode of that because that is fucking crazy um so it's just because you know it's a very small compact filmography so i think every film like stands out a bit more if that makes sense like a terence malley because it's so small and quaint um so i think a razor is like one that stood the test of time because it was him 
showing off just how fucking like weird he is. But then also, the the, the film he brought out after Razorhead was The Elephant Man, and The Elephant Man is like so straightforward. It's a it's a devastating biopic about a, a piece of history. Do you know what I mean? So he showed he can do these accessible narratives, and I think that kind of maybe brought people back in around that time. I guess it would anyway because it's like that sort of film. If that makes sense. And obviously, it didn't mm-hmm. do enough of that. I think. How do, how do you rank Lynch's filmography? The ones you've seen. So, uh, Dune is last. I don't hate Dune, but I think it's like fucking weird. Um, not weird in a good way, like strange. But I mean, that's like a Fincher's Alien Three. Yeah. He didn't have any of the. Uh, st- the straight story, which is like a Disney one, is very simple, very heartwarming. He did that in the late nineties, so it was a good film. That's like a four star. Then Inland Empire, which was his last film. Um, that's one with Laura Dern. Uh, Wild at Heart, which is like the another one with Laura Dern, the action action comedy thriller romance, whatever, with Willem Dafoe and Nicolas Cage. Uh, that's fucking cool. That was a four star. And then I have a Razor Head at four point five, Mulholland Drive, Blue Velvet, The Elephant Man, and then and then the top I have I've Lost Highway, which is yeah by far my favorite. But I have two five stars Lynch. Um, so I yeah I pretty much like all his films apart from apart from Dune, which is same as most people. Do you know what is I mean? he top ten for you right now? I'm forgetting your like director He's, ranking. Uh, fourth. Fourth. Well, think about it, bro. Like I've got yeah. So no, uh, that's true. Three yeah. three four stars. But one two and a half three fours. Three four point fives and two fives. Do you know what I mean? It's pretty like yeah, highly true. rated. Yeah. So he's like, I think he's fourth. At the Damn, moment. I really yeah, gotta, sure I gotta like, I gotta get through this filmography now. So I, I want Lost Highway. I need to watch Blue Velvet. Those are gonna be my next two Lynch watches, probably. Yeah, I think. Blue what Velvet is like? Best. What is like his passion? Like, why has he not been doing many films lately? Because I saw he's like he done did. like a Duran Duran concert movie, and he's doing Twin Peaks. So it's like. His twin, twin yeah, I mean, he's um, done two Twin Peaks movies in multiple seasons. I feel like Twin Peaks has got to be his like favorite thing of his. He own, did. He does it so, so he's much. Done, he's done a lot of short films, like a lot of short films. Um, he did that Netflix one a couple of years ago, that uh, the monkey one. You probably seen advertised the one where like into the monkey. That's very weird. Mm. Um, he's done like a lot of shorts, and then he obviously came back for Twin Peaks in 2017. But like, it's weird in the Lynch like crowd. There's been so many rumors of him coming back and doing a film. Like people like screenshotting his like stories or like you know what i mean like seeing him in person because he hasn't made a feature film in like what 16 years so it's been a long time so people are kind of just waiting for the time that he comes back but i don't actually know i'd assume it's like twin peaks or something or like short films because he, he tends to do it if you look at his filmography he's only done nine films but like he's done like 40 films altogether because he did a couple documentaries right about yeah. like short films stuff like that it's it is a did you guys see when he would go on like in, in instagram every day and do the weather report no, no. He did a we- he did a weather report every day for like a while. He just went on and said the weather. It's the, the guy's fucking like so weird man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what do you expect? Uh, who makes a razor? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's gonna be a freak. <laughs> he's, been, he's been married like five or six times too. Because I, like I was looking up like a razor. I was like, what's his relationship with his like family? Because I was like, this has got to be yeah, weird yeah. to make something like this. And I was like, oh, this dude just like married, divorced, married, divorced, married, divorced, like all the time. Yeah, king. <laughs> okay. I'm sure they all sign prenups too. You're not getting any of that Twin Peaks money. No. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, dude, the crying baby in a razor head though is like making me lose my brain. I was like, Yeah. Which like is the yeah, point they- of it, obviously. But I was like, it was just making my ears bleed. Oh, yeah, that's God. like I think a lot of people say about like kind of you know the, the backing ambiance, the kind of score that goes with it. It really does feel like you're in this kind of underworld almost you know what i mean like you're in this place you're feeling exactly what he's feeling it's really meant to like drain anxiety into especially with 
uh, the the baby scene at the end, which I won't speak about yet, but like that we is we, we, we can get into you can speak about it if you want. Yeah. Okay. So obviously, when he when he uh, when well, when he kills the baby, I mean that's literally <laughs> meant to be the whole thing about getting rid of his fears. You know, the whole film is about him fearing being a failure as as a dad, as a person, and that sequence is meant to be showcasing him getting rid of that fear but in the weirdest fucking way and that scene is like crazy i will be honest but i think everything has a purpose everything has a rhythm but it's just not to everyone's taste that's the that's the thing isn't it because it is so weird but yeah i think you're meant to feel as if you are him you know you're in this world where everything is on top of you, you know we've all had life kicking us and, and everything feels like it's on top of you everything feels like it's getting to the point where you're about to blow up and then what we see is is him blowing up and him trying to get rid of all that in a quick fluid moment by uh getting rid of his weird fucked up baby so yeah that's just that's just how some people do it you know what i mean uh, how i mean technically has... you can't be a failure as a dad if you kill your kid yeah, if you don't have a kid. i mean like <laughs> We should not be fucking advocating that, by the way. If you're listening, <laughs> yeah, don't listen to us. Um, but I mean, yeah, like it, it, pretty much it. Like you know, Lynch wants to show that in the most absurd way, and that is a one way to end a film that's like a razorhead. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's such a weird way to do it at the same time. The weirdest thing for me from the movie still is like when he was at the dinner and eating the chicken, and then it just kept bleeding, and then like the mom like started like hysterically screaming. That was like, I was like, Jesus, what the hell is this? what's going on in this film but like that's what the thing like is a debut but like i feel like he had so much access to some crazy like practical effects and stuff it's like i don't know how i don't know i don't know what the budget was because like it said he produced it himself so like i don't know if he like had like had a different job or had money i guess the budget was a hundred thousand dollars a hundred thousand which wow. in 1977 is obviously a lot more and plus when he's financing it all himself so clearly he had a nest egg of money to be able to do this himself um, so yeah, I wonder if like he came for money or if he had like another job while he's making this because it did take him like seven years to make and it was his first film. So yeah, I don't know if like this was just kind of a side project for the longest time or if he was fully dedicated to it the seven years or if he was like so, doing it on the side while working like a normal job and making money to make this. The um the the chicken scene, I never understood what it was about. Like how are you supposed to take things like that? But I did some like research. I've well, this isn't my interpretation, but a few people interpret it as like um the fear of all like man man-made things going to waste because you know when you see that kind of fluid come out and stuff like that mm-hmm. and they're crying it who thinks of that sort of thing do you know what i mean to symbolize <laughs> that you're using a, a mighty chicken and just crying with like this weird liquid coming out as a way to symbolize you know life and the way things are falling apart and how man-made things will always fail but i think it's so fucking weird that scene is like I remember the first time I watched it, I was so confused. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As I was, as I was with most of the film, but there are, you know, as much as it's not accessible, I think there in a raised head, there are certain things that you should pick up. You know what I mean? There right. are obvious themes there, like the fatherhood with the baby, and like the isolation. It's it's quite obvious, but the chicken scene, especially, like it's it's hard to gather things, which I think is interesting. Speaking about a raised head, because you know we're all going to have different interpretations of different parts because it's so personal. It's so something that you either can connect with you or not, which which why I like the Ariasta comparison, Tyler, because when we spoke about last week, how Ariasta will always make films for himself and he'll make films that relate to him as an individual. 
as it's exactly what Lynch was doing. And you get it, mm-hmm. you get it. If you don't, you don't. He doesn't give a, you know, I mean, Lynch doesn't fucking care if you don't like a razor head. Mm-hmm. I think that's really like, that's why I admire him and Ari Aston so much as a filmmaker, you know, individually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy movie. Crazy movie. Right, Anything else you guys a... want to touch on a razor head or? Um, that's what the weird cauliflower woman. She's got a fucking weird head, aren't she? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, that's it's, when I first saw her, I was like, Jesus, man, it's freaky. Crazy. This movie would have been crazy to see, like, it, like what, like, I don't want it to be remastered like this, but just like if if he never made it in black and white and it was like color from the beginning, like I want to know what these like practical effects looked like in real life. Like, what was the colors? Of these the black like, and white adds to it though. Like? Makes it so what, much what color. Yeah, but I want to know, like, I want to like from like a filmmaking perspective, I want to know like what these like props and like weird things look like. What did that chicken look like in real life? Like, what the hell? Like, like the baby looked like. Oh, what color fluid was coming shit. out of that chicken? Like, yeah, what? Like, wild. Like a, I don't know what the mutant baby looked like, man. Do you reckon it was like green or some shit? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's like, why I'm just a, no idea, but just when, wild. Maybe we should, Lynch, if you're listening, make a. Uh, Restore a razor head in color 4K. <laughs> yeah. That'd be crazy. Make the baby neon green while you're at it. <laughs> yeah. If you are listening and you are a patron, recommend some more Lynch. Cause um yeah, I'd like I'd like I'd like these guys, especially when Cam comes back. Recommend like Blue Velvet or Lost Tower or some shit. Like if you by the way, if you think this is confusing, wait until we watch Lost Highway. And it'll, no, Inland Empire will be like, what the fuck? Like there's no point in having a conversation about some scenes in Inland Empire because none of it makes sense. I refuse to believe anyone knows what certain scenes mean by that. Where do you rate that, that movie? Uh, four star? And like, it's good. Time. It's not... Last time five. was a five? Okay. That's in my top ten ever now. That's like the sixth or something. What's your other Lynch five? Elephant Man. Oh. Which is like polar polar opposite. That's like... Uh, I, my mum made me watch that when I was younger. It's like a... Interesting. A really, it's not. It's not. It's not like a classic Lynch film. It's just like an educational watch, yeah, I guess. Yeah, really, yeah. really sad. Really interesting. But yeah, if you are listening, recommend us some more Lynch. I definitely like to talk to him. Should be fun. Or we could just watch them on our own. Yeah, but you won't though, because I've been telling you for about a year now. I will. Like, I, will I will. I will. I want to watch Lost Highway. I need to watch Lost Highway. I have no, to. watch. Right. I'm gonna send you a list. Right. This is what it is. Yeah. It's Blue Velvet. <laughs> and then it's Mulholland. You've seen. Okay. You've seen Mulholland Drive. Seen Tyler. Mulholland. Blue Velvet. Mulholland Drive. Lost Highway. No, you can you can kind of skip the straight story in Elephant Man. You know, you can watch them on your own. So they're just like standard films. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive for Tyler, Lost Highway. No, actually. Oh my God. Blue Ve- <laughs> sorry, sorry. Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart, Mulholland Drive, Tyler, Lost Highway, and then the last one should be Inland Empire because shit's just. When does Dune come into play? <laughs> Never. Don't watch Dune. If you watch the Dini Dune, you'll be let down. I'll tell you that. Don't expect yeah. anything like that. Like, oh, although the costumes and hair are quite funny, but that's about it. That's the only good thing. Um, all right. Well, we'll move on. That was our review of David Lynch's Eraserhead, which was the horror pick of the week. Next week, we're doing horror comedy. It's my pick, so I, I still haven't picked. So that's a that's a surprise for all of you. But let's jump into. Well, just like actually, a... hold on. Next week will be a little different because we have to like film like a because we're filming like a bonus episode for next week. So like it might be like next next week because I'm going to be gone this week. Right. So and the, so next next week when we do horror comedy or whatever, we'll that'll be when we because that comes out on October 30th is when it releases. So we'll be in our costumes for that one, I believe. Hell yeah! Yeah. I still haven't picked out my costume. Mate, it's getting late now. I didn't realize what type of yeah, date it was. I, I, I don't even know what I'm doing yet. I got to go get something. Mm-hmm. We should all be the nun. 
<laughs> open the nun. Oh, I didn't well, see that's that. Easy for, it's easy for Seth. He already has the costume. Yeah, it's no, I can't do that again. I want, I want to do something like fun, original, yeah. fresh. No, yeah, I have no clue what George, I'm doing. George, George, you can't wear your normal clothes this time. I was yeah. some effort. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler was out here last time. Tyler bought every bit of merch for like Richmond. <laughs> what is AFC or something? You got the fake mustache. Uh, yeah, I, I was like just a crazy. dude in a jean jacket. I held a skateboard and called myself Marty. And then Cam was just like in his son's Halloween costume or some shit. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to just like a general open discussion on psychological horror. I figured we would just kind of run through the decades, talk about the evolution of psychological horror, um, our favorite filmmakers within the space. Um, definitely in my mind, I think this is my favorite subgenre of psychological ho- of uh, of horror. Um, I don't know how you guys feel. I don't know what your favorite subgenre of horror are. Um, so let's start with the 60s. Um, pop open them letterboxes. I am doing it right now. Yeah, I, I could wait. I don't, I don't know if Tyler will get very far, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about 60s. I, was, I mean, you've definitely I've seen w- at least one from the 60s, so we'll start there. Psycho, other 60s, Rosemary's Baby. Yep. Um, those are really the only two psychological horror movies. Persona seen. could be considered. Yeah. Well, I, was, if, I, I think... Ingmar Bergman made one horror film, and that was the 60s, and that is most definitely psychological horror. It's called Hour of the Wolf. Okay. It's very reminiscent to, like, The Lighthouse. Very, in terms of, like, the surreal energy. But thematically, it's similar. It's like a persona or a seventh seal. Um, That was, like, the only horror film Lynch ever made. And it's really, really good. I recommend you watch it. Actually, I think you'd like it. And then also, there was another one um, called The Cremator, which is most definitely psychological horror comedy i guess uh that was that's really really great um and george I don't, if you've uh, i don't know if you've seen eyes without a face i haven't no so that's like the that was one of the early maybe body horror psychological horror, whatever that was like one of the early where they kind of pushed the envelope in terms of like graphic imagery it was a yeah. french film from i believe like 60 60 exactly i'd recommend everyone watch that that's that's a really really interesting one um and then you've got the birds hitchcock's the birds which is shit so i'm not talking about that but, uh, <laughs> yeah uh, rosemary's baby i think you mentioned that didn't you yeah rosemary's baby and psycho are like too obvious i've been seeing um yeah, yeah. george romero's night of the living dead on a lot of psychological horror uh lists uh, which like kind of makes so. sense a little bit. Like I don't. It, I don't really love Night of the Living Dead, to be honest. I don't. I like the. Um, yeah, it's a four star for me. Yeah, I'm not sitting here saying it's one of the greatest. I was just surprised that it was on this list of psychological horror movies. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of looking at like 28 Days Later, like zombie movie, but somewhat of a psychological. Search. Search. But, um, <laughs> search the alphabet. Go on, Letterbox. Search the alphabet. It's David Lynch. That was uh, 60s. Just look at the called picture. Called the alphabet. Yeah, it's a short film. Yeah, just look at the header for it. It's absurd. Oh, that film. What the? What is? What am I looking at? It's four minutes. Yeah. A Lynch has been so many absurdist nightmare Bro, vision. Lynch did this one called the grandma. Recitation of the alphabet. Yeah, Lynch I mean, did this one called the grandma or the mother or something. Jesus. That shit's so fucking weird. Like he's done so many of these. Honestly, there's so many. That's a- yeah. My. My favorite from the 60s is definitely obviously Psycho, but Rosemary's Baby I really enjoy as well. I think like the new American Horror Story season is like basically a remake of Rosemary's Baby is what they're going for. Like there's, oh, is it? Okay. Like, I'm pretty sure that's what I'm getting from the vibes of the trailer. And then obviously like Hereditary is very much so inspired by Rosemary's Baby, but yeah. Rosemary's Baby is really good. 
um psychos but definitely my favorite psychological horror from the 60s um but those are the only two i've seen technically i, I would say persona definitely can be classified as one though but uh in that in elements of it but yeah rosemary's baby and psycho are both great 60s was solid 60s was yeah. solid we can move on to the 70s which i think is um i don't think psychological horror truly boomed there's not as like, many like... yeah until like the 80s but again i'm seeing a lot of people include like untraditional i guess psychological horror movies on these lists like i'm looking at this list that has halloween texas chainsaw massacre black christmas which i guess prominently are slasher films but when you i guess put them in a psychological lens you know laurie strode is for example is absolutely going through it that entire movie so you can look at it as a psychological movie but it's like um it's Suspiria as well. Like Suspiria is like a psychological, but it's also like supernatural. See, I, yeah, I think Suspiria is more true psychological than like a Halloween, but it also has those supernatural the elements. Supernatural elements. Um, the same thing with like a Carrie. Like Carrie, I think, is not a traditional psychological horror. Carrie's movie. an interesting one. But yeah. it's funny because like Brian De Palma is like, he is like a more reserved psychological filmmaker than, you know, I would say like a John Carpenter is. Um, or like a Ridley Scott, like because you can also look at like Alien as a slightly psychological horror, even though I think it's more of like a you know science fiction horror than a psychological horror. Yeah, I mean uh, the Wicker Man, the the original uh, could probably count as it. That's a similar to like a Midsummer kind of thing. Also, yeah. I want you both to search uh, oh, the God. Grandmother because that was 1970. David Lynch was a year right after. Um, Bro. <laughs> Just search, look at the header. That's good, oh though. Oh, my God. Like, it's hard to find, but it's actually good. Like, that's psychological spot. That was cool. That, that header looks like Heath Ledger's Joker without the makeup. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> that was some fun. weird shit. That's, I mean, that's definitely, like, some psychological stuff. It's, it was, like, an animated weird film that he did. And he's done, he's done a lot of these shorts. They're really interesting, actually. Um, But, yeah, that's definitely constitutes it. Is David Lynch, like, okay? No. Have you like, seen his film? You watched like, a Razorhead, like bro? Myth. What do you mean? <laughs> no, this guy's not. I, yeah, oh, yeah. there's going to be one that you'll definitely mention for the 80s, actually. I know which one you have to quick pick. Well, let's let's get right to the 80s. Which, I know which one you're going to say. That I'm definitely going to mention what? The Shining, obviously. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. But no, like, I think this is a psychological one. Which one? What are you talking about? The Fly? Angst. Oh yeah. I mean that's like Yeah, that's that's like the most that for me is the most realistic depiction of a serial killer I've seen in film and it, ha, have yeah. you seen Angst? Yeah. You have. Tyler, you have not. Yeah, so yeah. I'll, not like, for just a, like a, a quick like explanation. So basically years. in Angst this this notorious serial killer uh is let out from prison like his sentence is up and he immediately goes back to to like he finds a house, just a random house, starts torturing these people and killing them. But while he's doing so, like the entire movie, you're kind of being guided by his narration. So I said this in my letterbox review. It's very rare in horror that we have a movie where your point of view is from his point of view of the bad guy. Um, yeah. And then this guy in angst just had like, like skin crawling like he was just he was so calm about like what he was talking about he was literally just like well i need to find some people oh these two girls at the end of the bar they're staring at me maybe they'll be good to to torture and kill or something it's like it's like so like 
haunting just because of how composed and like how calm this guy is about like what he's talking about. And then Seth, I'm sure you, you'll you'll agree. Just like the sequences of violence are just so grotesque and so realistically like brutal that they just oh that movie it's God. the way it's the way it builds builds up to that certain point by by putting you in his head and actually getting you comfortable with the idea and then shocking you out of nowhere yeah it's a really interesting film actually you don't see many films from that perspective i think that's i need to rewatch it it's been like three years i think minimum it's, um that, that, yeah that was a first watch for me like not too long ago and everyone kept saying like prepare yourself like to like not want to watch a movie for quite some time after <laughs> yeah so i would also say um so brian de palma did a film called dress to kill which i would consider thriller but apparently mm -hmm. it's horror oh horror is the main genre here okay that's definitely a psychological one um really really interesting film about like uh basically a, a, a female murderer who's murdering a psychiatrist patients um Really, really interesting. I think you both actually really like that. Um, quite a controversial one at the time, I believe. But that in terms of the psychological, I think like when I'm what I'm looking at from the eighties, this was kind of the period where like there was more body horror, the practical effects are utilized yeah. a lot. You know, we've got like the thing, um Land the Day of the Dead, American Werewolf of London, Videodrome, The Fly, Evil Dead, um, even The Shining to a certain extent, Nightmare on Elm Street. And I think this was definitely a case where things were starting to come in with that. And then also, George, you had like um you know that yeah. zombie director, uh, Lucio Fulci, did yeah, that Lucio zombie flesh eaters? Guy? Yeah, zombie flesh eaters. I uh, I watched. Um, shout the out Stony the Great. He had recommended me that um, last year's horror season. Oh, yeah, um, yeah that's seen, a good one. Um, have you seen the Beyond? I watched that the other day. No, bro. The shit. Beyond. He's... Yeah, that's. I think he's the most popular one on um, Letterbox. Uh, Lucio Fulci is crazy. Hmm. I, I, like, I'm, I think Zombie Flesh Eater is the only Fulci movie I've seen, so I, I need to continue. Um, maybe not like horror. I know a lot of people consider it thriller, but The Silence of the Lambs. Um, if you think I'm it's horror, bugging. it's definitely. Well, I'm bugging. That's a 90s movie. Oh, Possession actually is actually yeah, a cycle. Possession. Possession. Okay. Yeah, Possession. Yeah, I'm bugging. Is. We'll talk about Silence of the Lambs later. Um, but yeah, even like Poltergeist, um, obviously a little bit more supernatural, yeah. but psychological in a sense. Um, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Um, damn, the 80s were sick for horror. Yeah, the 80s were really good. The 80s were good for horror. But I, just, I, I don't think they were that strong. Otherwise, I watched a lot of shit in the 80s, man. Yeah, there's a lot of shit in um... horror just all the time. <laughs> no, like in general, I think the 80s were like a weird... <laughs> periods of film generally. in general but yeah. horror they were really good horror they're really good uh tyler anything from the 80s that you want to shout out that you've seen the only like notable one is the shining which obviously is, is the first one everyone would think of for when it comes to psychological horror from yeah. the 80s for sure that's still still my greatest horror movie of all time i said like before i think it was early this year early september i had posted a tiktok video like my top 30 horror movies of all time and in that video i was like yeah, over the next like two months, I'm going to be watching like a lot of first watch horror movies. So I yeah. expect this list to look very different come Halloween. List doesn't look that different at all. My, my I... top three hasn't moved since I was like 16. Yeah, kind of my weird. top I mean... like 20. I think the only addition into like the top 25 was Angst. I oh, think really? That was it. Angst, um, Opera. I think that's it. I think those are the only ones that like slid their way into like my top of the top horror movies and i've seen obviously i've been watching a ton over the last couple of weeks yeah. um 
we can slide our way into the 90s. Um, I'm going to start off by shouting out Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Cure um, because I, I think that's yeah that that's a movie set that I I think you need to prioritize. Um, I know it's just it's not on anything here for some reason. Anything? Oh, I, I I watched it on YouTube. It's on YouTube, like free, like you know how the others, why like is... the Nicole Kidman movie, is just free on YouTube. Why is no one talking about this? Wow, I've definitely weird. mentioned this. <laughs> Oh, uh, that Pinocchio film I watched is psychological oh, horror. You know, Pinocchio, what, 60, what, what nine, six, four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a few actually, uh, in the mouth of madness, 100%. Yes. 100%. That's one of my favorites. Uh, would you Jacob's consider- ladder? Yeah, actually, yeah, I would, I would, I would. Yeah, it has to be, uh, Jacob, yeah, yeah. Jacob's ladder. Um, I would also say, uh, funny games, the original, because if you say that's like psychological I thriller horror, need that's to really watch weird that. Oh my God. Do I need to watch that? I think you'd both really like funny games. It's, it's kind of a, an interesting film where it kind of makes a mockery of its audience for searching for violence in films. It's a very notoriously disturbing yeah. film, but not that's in a way that you think like you don't see much or something, but you don't see anything. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't see it. You like, it's, it's a really interesting film in the way that it works with the cameras. It's really clever, yeah. really provocative, um, really gets your mind thinking. And that's definitely in the psychological lens. And then you've also got some like not so great ones that could be in that lens. So you've got like The Devil's Advocate, which is a good film. Don't get me wrong, but like I wouldn't have it as high as um, others on this list. Um, and then most of them I'm looking at here are like this was the start when I saw you know the, the found footage started to come into play with like the Blair Shit Project. Oh, um, stop it. Uh, <laughs> just wrong uh i mean i guess like i mean ringu is ring is kind of like supernatural yeah uh, ring we watched yeah oh no we watched um, uh we watched the remake for our, no, you watched our... the the uh, uh naomi watts one not yeah, the original that one was not that good um, i'm gonna shout <laughs> yeah, out the from the 90s event horizon um again more of like a oh, more yeah, of I've a science that. fiction horror but uh, it kind of plays out like a Gattaca type movie where it's like a it's more of a haunting character study, which just makes it um, very psychological. It's a very personal, super intimate movie. Um, Seth, I'm surprised you didn't say M. Night's The Sixth Sense. Unless you did say it and I missed it, but I would definitely. No, I didn't. I, I I've always put that as a, th- a thriller first. I don't know why. I've always yeah, I, I would a... see it more as like a supernatural thriller, but I think that's what I think. Like, yeah, yeah, I definitely think it has like those psychological elements to it. I also did not realize same as misery. Sense... Yeah, same with misery. I did not realize the Sixth Sense has a four point on Letterboxd. <laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like it's the highest rated films. one. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ, that is Miser- so Misery's main one is is horror actually. Um, is it really? I think Misery is definitely within that lens, but I would probably treat it as oh, more of like a thriller. I would misery, say Misery. God, every, every time I think of Misery, I think of that fucking like uh, the hammer scene with his ankle. Why? Well, you? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Oh my yeah, god, yeah. that's like my least favorite scene ever in any movie. Kathy Bates is so good she's as animal. She's so that? fucking good in she's that movie. She's so good. It's she's good. so Jack, uh, Tyler, terrifying. have you seen Misery? It's, oh it's really my good. I really God. It is. It's just... not a horror. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's it's, uh... it's thriller. It's thriller. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely fucking scary. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's weird. But yeah, not like, really, really yeah, not like a scary, like the, the general term of the word, you know? Um, yeah. All right, let's move on to the 2000s because I think 2000s and 2010s are are where we're going to really talk a lot about psychological horror because there's a ton to go through. Um, we obviously in, uh, what, four days, we're going to drop our review of The Descent, so I'll shout that out first. Um, definitely, again, I, th- I would consider this maybe more thriller, 
slightly supernatural because they don't really go into who that dude is shit like that um but definitely psychological horror um we won't go too into it because tyler does a very good job on our real quick explaining why you could see this as a psychological horror and then a couple of like these themes of like guilt and grief that go on in this movie um another kiyoshi kurosawa movie i i know you've seen this one pulse um yeah, you have, you have seen Pulse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I knew you had seen that one. Um, one of the scariest movies I've ever seen, personally, with quite possibly like one of the scariest sequences in film. Um, yeah, and then you mean the like when she's walking over to him. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, shit's walking. fucking weird. Literally, she's just so walking, and it's fucking frightening. Like, and then she's like <laughs> dancing as well because they hired yeah. actual dancers <laughs> to do it. I'll tell you, uh, have you seen um, Lake Mungo? Because that's definitely yes, in the psychological Yeah, range. I have seen so. Lake Mungo. Um, very interesting. Um, I think that was the first ever horror movie. I Outside of like a traditional found footage movie. Um, that was like the first like mock documentary type of horror film I think I've yeah. ever really watched. Um, I thought it was great. I... I, I same thing with like found I really footage. Like it. Yeah, I think if you could just add any sense of realism to like your movie, especially within the horror space, it's just it's fucking frightening. Um, and then of course in the '90s we had the Blair Goat Project, which sparked a lot of found footage in the 2000s. Uh, Paranormal Activity. <laughs> Paranormal Activity. Um, Wreck came out in 2007. Seth, have you yeah. have seen Wreck? That's yeah, Wreck's scary, man. Like wreck I actually think that like that Wreck do be scary. I might choose that wreck next week for our horror comedy episode. <laughs> you can't get away with that. Man. Yeah, I can't get away with that. Um, yeah, Rex. I'm, I'm gonna shout out. Uh, Let the right one in. I know that's obviously more yeah. like vampire horror, but it's more of like a coming of age psychological horror. In in I think they like they tie in though, because like for example, like okay, the have you seen the others yet? You haven't, have you? No. Yeah, and I've only been asking you to for like two years. Yeah, I get it. But that the others, for example, is like very, it's supernatural. It's a ghost story. But the themes are so heavily prevalent within her mind, within yeah. a psychological nature of what she's going through. I'll reveal, obviously, what it was. But like, I think that there are many films which kind of tie, tie the two together, especially when you go like, so, um, supernatural, psychological, like uh, The Orphanage. I, I don't think you've seen, but I'd really recommend. That's a fantastic film. Um also, Lynch's Inline Empire, one hundred percent psychological horror, like I yeah. mentioned earlier. Uh, but there's so many on here that could be tied in within within multiple genres. I think. Yeah, that's why I, I mean, I know you hold Let the White Right One in probably as highly as I do, but it's yeah, one it's of those great. movies where it's like it's 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 a beautiful coming of age movie. It's maybe the best vampire movie we have out there. It's dealing with themes of friendship in this film. It's a very thoughtful tale um so like you can watch the movie and like i personally would not slap the horror genre on this movie i don't think it's anything particularly scary i think it's more of um you know this introspective coming of age film just untraditionally told via a vampire as opposed to you know just a normal middle school or whatever it's like story of acceptance um stuff like that um well, but, uh, I know you watched it recently, George. Eden Lake. That's uh, that's got to be like psychological, dude. I was thriller, so, horror, whatever. I was so disappointed, and the reason I'm disappointed with that: the first sentence of the letterbox synopsis, 
Eden Lake is a relentlessly tense and immaculately paced horror thriller about modern youth gone wild. That is a glowing review. Yeah, I've never seen, you rarely see that. That's like not that a synopsis. That is not a That's synopsis. Like them, that is a no, literal kind of review. So going into it, I was yeah. like, okay, Seth gives us a three and a half. I know you and yeah. I pretty much align relatively well on horror. So I was like, okay, this will be an enjoyable time. In my opinion, yes, it was relentlessly tense. It was not immaculately paced. There were a lot of moments yeah. where I was just kind of like, this could have been cut out. This movie was 91 minutes. It could have very easily been 45 minutes if they wanted it to be. It's just pretty much like it's a simple cut and mouse chase. Yeah, I, I think it definitely had its like fantastic moments of like fright and scares. Um, but yeah. it's, it's just one of those horror movies. And, and me personally, when it comes to horror, I just look for a horror movie that will leave a lasting impression on me. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah, like Tyler and I discussed it when we talked about The Descent in our real quick dropping in a few days. The Descent is such a fantastic horror movie to me because I could rewatch it countless times and it'll still have the same impression. It'll still give me the same reaction, um, which is something very rare to do in horror. And yeah. Eden Lake, I turned off Eden Lake and pretty much forgot what I had watched 20 minutes later. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, Seth, one movie I'd like you to watch you have watched it awesome i was going to shout out ty west's the house of the devil um, no you recommended me that i really liked it yeah, yeah i liked yeah, it more yeah, than I you actually what did you yeah give it? you did i give it a three and a half you gave it a four so i'm happy to I, see I really yeah no, that's like my favorite film from him i think it's better i think it's i have it over uh, x and pearl i think it's really yeah. good i really really liked i think it. it's fantastic um it's just oh it's it's so psychological i don't want to get into spoilers because i know uh, a couple of people still plan on watching it um but yeah it's super dark Ma super martyrs eerie. is like martyrs is like psychological as fuck yeah like, that's like also i don't really like uh, do i like martyrs okay i mean it's fine. i was texting uh one of my friends texted me the other day he goes hey i'm thinking about watching martyrs and i go honestly like don't it's like one of the most disturbing films ever i know his taste so i was like just don't watch it. Like, I really don't think you're going to enjoy it. And he goes, compare it to another film. And I go, I can't. You haven't seen a film like Martyrs. And I go, Martyrs <laughs> makes Midsummer look like a romantic comedy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I don't actually know. I, yeah, even me, like, even though I've watched, like, a lot of horrible shit, like, a lot of films that are really disturbing, it's not really comparable to anything. Although I, I it's, think yeah, of anyway, do you know what I mean? No, it's... Tyler, watch Martyrs this week. Have you been ticking off your watch list, by the way, Tyler? Tyler, no, I have not, but I'll get there. I'll get there. It's October. I know. I mean, I've been watching. I watched The Descent. I watched Racerhead. I just no. I didn't. I give you something though. What did I give you? No, you gave me like In the Mouth of Madness. You gave me It Follows. There's a couple of stuff. I'm happy you watched The Descent. I won't spoil whether you like it or not because you will find out on the real quick but i'm happy you watched that movie that's such a good movie it's crazy looking at the 2000s that, that saw came out in 2004 and then saw six came out in 2009 like they really just cranked those yeah they, jesus out, like, christ that even was out that's yeah, crazy. i didn't realize it was so just crazy but low-key like sleeper pick psychological horror 2000s Coraline. yeah i would consider that oh Victoria shit, yeah, actually just watched that again like two days ago yeah, um, what did she think? Oh, uh, wait, again, she, she loves it. Like, yeah, so, she loves it. Yeah, it's a great movie. I think um, it's so good. Yeah, we talked about vampires and let the right one in. We didn't mention Park Chan Wook's Thirst. Thirst. Um, yeah, I think Thirst could be considered. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Psychological horror, I think, um, in my humble opinion. Yeah, um, I think so. it, it's like it's 
again, it's just like let the right one in where it's like, yeah, it's like primarily a vampire movie, but they're touching on so many like themes of like loneliness, acceptance, friendship, grief, that it just turns it into like, they're trying to tell a very simple story, but they're using like this vampire lens that just like kind of amplifies the experience. Um, yeah. I'm looking at the cast of martyrs right now. Seth, you know, who's in it? Who's a director? No. Javier Dolan. Is he? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, he is. He's yeah, he is. He is. He's, he's in, the um, crybaby director. The guy who quit. He's the one who but, did mommy. But yeah. watched mommy both of you. Huh. He is. He's at the like. He's at the start. I think he's like one. Well, no, he's. At, I can't remember where he's. At, but I do actually remember seeing him in that. Yeah, you're right. It's interesting. All right, let's move on to the 2010s because I think this will be a, a probably a bulk of our discussion. Mainly because I just think it's probably the decade that we've seen the most psychological. There is a lot of like psychological. There's a ton. Um, we can quickly breeze past the Get Outs, the Hereditaries, the Lighthouses, the Midsummers. If you guys want to hear us dive into jordan peele ari aster robert eggers just go to last week's episode we we had a really great discussion on the three of them and obviously the three of them kind of fall more towards the psychological horror um you know jordan peele can fall more towards science fiction horror a little bit um robert eggers could fall towards folk horror a little bit more but i think they all kind of sit within that psychological horror um first shout has to be black swan for me um i think of um all of the horror movies and again if you don't consider it horror that's perfectly fine but black swan for me is just such a devastating dissection of of anxiety um the consequences of pressure um the consequences of um being in a constant state of panic and fear that you're not good enough or that there's someone outperforming you. Um, George, we didn't is... say a perfect blue as well. Like that could easily be mentioned. Don't you think? I mean, psychological for sure, but I would say psychological thriller. I think perfect blue is like, I guess so. But I think perfect blue is like, it could be swap. frightening in its themes and how it like kind of resonates with you and makes you think. But I, I, I don't I would never tell someone who's looking for a horror movie to watch perfect blue. Yeah, I guess so. You know, definitely a good shout, though. That is definitely psychological for sure. Um, but yeah, my shout is Black Swan, but um, just rattling off a few. Tyler, please watch it. Follows. I'm begging you to watch it. Oh, follows. yeah. That, that, I'll be watching I'm, that. I might watch it tomorrow, you know. I, I, I might. Oh, God. I might watch it tonight when I get home from. Uh, from I saw the devil. I saw, I saw the devil, the devil absolutely. Uh, um, uh, Kotoko, George, and I've seen that. I oh, that was. Um, Kotoko was just that was literal just devastation. You don't it get is, more psychological than that. No, you, you know I mean? that that movie made me more anxious and just more paranoid than like any film I and and not in like a traditional sense of like paranoid where like you're okay, I'll bring up the descent again. Like the descent is like yeah, paranoia yeah. and anxious because of like this this lurking darkness, this this fear of the unknown. This is yeah. just anxiety and paranoia just because the depression on screen is just so palpable and it is so infectious that like it just, it puts your mind in the same 
um, like like state that that the main character Coco yeah. is in, and it's just it's such a brutal experience. That was a that was a tough watch. I will say. Yeah. I'll say um, very controversial one. Uh, Javier uh, Darren Aronofsky's mother with Jennifer Lawrence was a really really controversial <laughs> one at the time. Do you guys remember when Cam watched that accidentally? <laughs> no. Did he try and he, watch he, Bong Joon-ho's mother? Yeah, he thought he was watching, I think, uh, Bong Joon-ho's mother, and he was, like, just watching Darren Aronofsky's mother. <laughs> that's funny, man. That's Which so is just weird. jokes. It's such a calm uh, thing to do as well. So fucking funny. Um, yeah, I, I'll toss... Um, again, this is more, like, uh, supernatural monster horror, but I'll toss A Quiet Place on that list. I think that has a lot of psychological elements just from... You know what what the events of a post-apocalyptic world can do to you especially one that you have to just constantly be living in in fear and in isolation uh kill list kill list absolutely most definitely yeah, yeah kill most list is, definitely uh... um just a wild viewing experience i think i texted you this right after an ending i absolutely did not foresee um, yeah Killis is very psychological i think um yeah. also one that i'd recommend both of you watch as well that I, I think i like more than most people but it's uh marrow bone uh so it's got yeah, you've been uh, telling me that george, for a while george mckay Anya taylor yep. joy mia garth like a really good cast um really really interesting film like quite scary at points most definitely psychological horror thriller um that's a really really interesting watch i think it's quite underseen as well especially for the cast you know what i mean like mia garth Anya Taylor-Joy, George McKay, like two of the most, like three of the most exciting uh, actors, young actors working today. I think it's really underseen and undervalued. I think that yeah, you, you've been telling me to watch that. It's funny. That's like one horror movie that I just always go to plus play on and I just never commit for some reason. <laughs> it's a good, really, I think it's your sort of film, to be honest. Yeah, I, I definitely need out. to watch it. Um, Seth, have you seen The Wailing, Na Hong Jin's The Wailing? No, I, I, mate, that's, that's um, I've been press, about to press prayer on that about a million times. I've never yeah, watched that's... it. That's a sublime. Like I, I think my four out of five stars is like disrespectful. Like I think that's too low. Like I need to yeah, rewatch it. I, I, I think it'll go up to a to a to a four and a half or a five. But that's again like that's a little like I'll compare that to Zodiac maybe where it's like a very psychological kind of mystery. mystery. Um, yeah. And it's one of those movies where you're kind of diving into the psyche of of this detective while also um, kind of worried about what he's trying to uncover so there's a lot of elements that just play into like your mind running amok while watching this movie um have you guys seen um green room a24's green room yep that's a disturbing movie that's fucking that's really good i really like that i think that runs in a psychological mirror yeah Uh, patrick stewart is so good as the villain in that yeah i really really like that's like have you seen green room i have not you should definitely you should definitely watch it. It's good. That's a wild movie. Um, just that's another just like just straight anxiety for a fucking yeah, hour and a half. That <laughs> is literally like a panic attack for like ninety yeah. minutes. It's crazy. And it was one of like the first. It was like around the time when A twenty four really gave, like twenty fifteen when they did like the yeah. work, like distribute the witch and stuff like that when they're really kind of pushing the horror. I think it's a really really interesting film. Crazy movie, uh, Seth. I know you've seen Tigers Are Not Afraid. Uh, um yeah that's would like you fantasy consider, yeah I that's guess. more of like uh, the, the the letterbox synopsis says a dark fairy tale and i think that's a perfect way of putting it but i think it has yeah. enough psychological elements um it's got a lot it's like coming of age psychological fantasy yeah, like it's horror. another one it's, of those it's, it's like got a lot of it. weird blends of horror that, yeah, that i definitely. absolutely adore 
Um, I don't know if I would consider 10 Cloverfield Lane psychological horror, but I, I, I think you do. Because I can see it. Yeah, it's another one of those movies that's just like isolation, stuff like that. And that's mm-hmm. obviously yeah. just something that lasts, um, just leaves a lasting impression on you after you watch it. And then John Goodman just puts on such a performance in that movie. Not that's a really good enough. film. I, I need to rewatch that again, actually, because John Goodman's so amazing in that. Like, it's really, really fantastic. Yeah, he bangs in that movie. Um, and then another uh, another A24 movie, It Comes at Night. Um, the one with, Oh, the uh, Joel Edgerton one? Yeah, the Joel, Joel Edgerton, Edgerton one? Yeah. Christopher Abbott. Um, Trey Edward Schultz, that, that's a fantastic movie. Um, Seth, have you seen The Babadook? Yeah, so I like it. That's most yeah. definitely psychological. I think that's all about like her, yeah. you know, the, the, the mom's mental health and stuff. I yeah. like it. I don't love it. I think that's definitely runs in the realm. I think the same with like It Follows as well. It runs under that same um, proximity. It Follows, Midsummer, um, Babadook, very much psychological horror at the, 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 the core. Um, not huge very... on Babadook, but I do like it. Yeah, it's it's very like hereditary-esque where it's like it's psychological horror, but it's it's the the reasons the psychological horror aspects of these movies play out is because of the supernatural horror that's like the forefront of the yeah. movie. Um, which Absolutely. Just, again, I just think it makes for such an interesting experience. Um, anything else from the 2010s that were kind of... Nothing like great, I'll All be of the big ones. Yeah, like yeah. everything else is just kind of low rated. So we can tackle the... 2020s very quickly i don't think there's been too many psychological horror movies uh, uh like i talk would never to me think... yeah talk to me supernatural psychological horror i would never um consider nope a psychological horror that's more supernatural uh, and have you guys fiction. seen the, the night house with rebecca hall no oh, you keep telling so. me to watch that you the keep... night the night house rebecca hall is so fucking yeah you, you keep on mentioning that and i need to watch it um how i have an interesting question for both of you how many films in the 2020s uh letterboxd do you have a four star or higher oh you want me to get this number i have seven that's not great yeah from 2020 2021 2022 and 2023 seven movies rated i have seven or higher no i have seven at a four star and then one at a five star and then no 4.5s and they're all lower after that from the whole decade, this entire decade. Yeah. For horrors? For just horror? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh my god. Just I thought horror, you meant not in general. No, 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 meant... no, no. Jesus Christ, I thought you meant everything in general. I have No, I just thought would be... I'd have more because I like horror, but I realize I, I, I there's not many I've loved recently, to be honest. I have twelve out of four star and two out of four and a half star. Okay, try to you. No horror out of five star from this decade so far. Interesting. I really thought you meant just every movie in general at first. I no, no, no. I, I just thought pissed I'd, myself. I, I had a feeling that I'd loved more horror, but like, there's not that many horrors because I like Bones and all. Again, like, would you really consider that a horror film? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but psychologically, I think the best one for me of the past couple of years is probably the Night House the records. The Night House from 2020. It's on. I think it's on Hulu where you guys are at if you're in the US. I think it's on Disney Plus here. That's really fantastic. Like, if you consider it in a horror, I think that's really, really great. Um, I know George didn't like this as much as I did. I don't think his house, the immigrant, the immigration yeah. one from Netflix. I really like that. 
But then again, like the psychological horror, like there's really not much to choose from for me in 2020. So yeah, if not, you guys have got a lot of things this decade, I mean, I I'll, I can mention Possessor, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you I enjoyed that movie. I didn't really yeah. um, like it too much. Um, I think Host is for sure psychological horror. Um, it's a it's like it, found footage though. Isn't yeah, it it's, time, it's like the I mean? webcam found footage type of film. Yeah, um, yeah. Which again, like I I, I think any. I don't know. I feel like any horror movie that just kind of puts me in like a very paranoid state, I can like consider psychological horror. Um, yeah, it's very, it's, it's a weird one to, to kind of manage because yeah. there's so many different ways to go about it. Like even like, would you consider Skinamarink psychological horror or just trash yeah. horror? Well, I mean, I didn't like it to be fair. I, <laughs> I think it's, yeah, probably like found footage psychological, same as like a host, for example. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? yeah, the same way. From this decade, would you love a barbarian? Yeah, I uh, think so. Did I, think I, don't, so? I don't know if I would consider that psychological horror. Well, I mean, in the elements-wise, it's very much about how, how, how others treat other people. I I wonder what that's down as on Google, actually. Oh, it just I, I would consider psychological horror, I think. I think I would. I think I would. It says what it has to say, the way it makes you feel. I think I'd, I'd consider... If, if so, Barbarian would be like, Actually, what I did, I've got to tell you this, I forgot to log on Letterboxd. I went to my cousin's the other day and she was like, Oh, have you got any horrors that like aren't scary? Because she hates horror films, but like <laughs> are fun. And I was like, Oh, Barbarian, that's perfect. So I've actually seen Barbarian like three times now. I really, really like it. I have like a four star. I really like, really enjoy it. I think oh. Barbarian would be like very top of my list in terms of like uh, best horrors in the 2020s, but also psychological horrors if we are considering that as well. Also, Watcher. Oh, Watcher! How oh, yeah, you guys like? Yeah, you guys look. Yeah, I love Watcher. What a film! What a film! I this is not classified as a horror on Letterboxd, but I'm gonna toss out. Actually, it is. I'm gonna toss out. We're all going to the World's Fair. Uh, I need to rewatch that. I yeah. To be honest, that that one. I don't know why. I, I I mean, I'm not. I have a few mutuals that are high on it, but I have a few that are also very low on it. And the average Letterboxd rating is three point one, but. I don't know. For some reason, that's it's a bit all over the place, actually. To be fair, the, the, yeah, the it's graph is wild. Isn't it? It's just such a, it's such a crazy like coming of age. Wow, people, film. yeah, like, Jesus man, I've got guys who rate like a four and a half, five, and also yeah. like half stars and ones. Yeah, same. It's very really all over the place. But I, I that that one left an impression on me for sure. I really enjoyed that one. Um, but we could wrap up that, um, you know little friendly discussion on psychological horror which like i said is is my personal favorite subgenre of horror seth what's your favorite subgenre of horror uh i'd probably say the same thing to be fair like there's there's different pieces of horror that i appreciate like i appreciate body i appreciate science fiction horror and there's always standouts like a a titan or the thing or whatever but i'd say on the surface i probably prefer some of those like psychological most of them bearing on being yeah. thrillers as well though kind of lens like a katoko um like a kill list for example for the 2010s very much that kind of element so i'd probably say psychological is kind of where i'm at most of the time in terms of what i would reach for i would say seth w reviews mm. <laughs> absolutely all right let's get um into our draft of uh of the week again horror related we're going to be drafting the best horror characters. Um, we could pick anything. Villains, final girls, 
final guys, dolls, ghosts, ghouls, goblins, pick whatever you want. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Draft order is Seth, George, Tyler, Snake oh. Draft. Snake Draft, okay. as always. I'm very curious to see where you go with this first pick, I'm going to be honest with you. Surely, surely both of you know what I'm going to pick for the first pick. I actually don't. I think I do. Tyler? But I'll be surprised if you don't, but I think I know. Okay. What are the initials, Tyler? JT. JT. Jack Torrance. (laughs) Absolutely my number one pick. One of my favorite characters ever. Absolutely. Okay. 100%. I figured that's uh, that's where you were going. Um, My first pick, I'm going to go with just sheer level of being an icon. I'm going to take Michael Myers off the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. Back to backs. I'll go Ghostface, and then I'll wrap it around with Norman Bates. Oh, nice. One Ghostface. Which Ghostface are you taking? Who's your favorite Ghostface? That's a good question. Actually, just take one. Hmm. <laughs> Let me just get the name right. Damn, Norman Bates is a fucking good one. Um, while while you look for that, I'm yeah. gonna take my second pick, which is gonna be uh, the maybe the most badass character ever in horror, and that's Mr. Ash from The Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Pick, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Um, I know. Shit. Shit. I'll go. I love Leatherface. Leatherface, I think, is my favorite <laughs> horror villain. Uh, purely for the first film. I think it's just disgusting human. <laughs> and then I'll also go for uh... Mr. Lovable Freak Man himself. I'll go Frankenstein. Get Frankenstein. That's a good Frankenstein. Yeah, That's a very Seth pick, I will say. It is, I agree. That's like, get some super... 30s, like, black and white shit. Yeah. <laughs> Emma Roberts is my favorite ghost face, by the way. I think most people would actually agree with yeah. that, don't they? Emma Roberts yeah. is a really good one. It's a big yeah. yeah. Oh, damn. Which scream was that? Emma Roberts? Scream four. My favorite one. Four. Four. Yeah, yeah four. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, I'm going to go with another just fucking fucked up character who's just cool in a weird way. Mr. Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good mm-hmm. one. All right. Back to me for back to backs. Yes, sir. Um, I'm gonna go with Jigsaw, and then who do I want next? Hmm. Yeah, so we'll wrap it back around with Pennywise. Okay. I was wondering if anyone was going to take Pennywise. Interesting. My what am I? My fourth pick. I need a final girl on my uh, on my board, so I'm going to take Miss Ellen Ripley. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good one. I was going to take go... Laurie Strode, but since I already have Michael Myers, figured I would change Ellen's better. Right? Yeah, Ellen is better. That's a fact. I'll go uh, Kurt Russell in the thing. So RJ um, uh, Creedy, I'll go him. Damn. One of the you're talking badass characters in horror. Yeah, like he's, he he's has top to tier be badass. Like the yeah. guy. What's his last name? My Gretty? second. 
McCready, 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 McCready. What is it? I don't know. Uh, then for my fifth pick, I'll go the mutant baby in a razor. Do you know, get some cool <laughs> shit on there. Just, I think it look funny on a, on a graph. You know, get some shit on there. Uh, uh, my last pick. I'm just gonna go with like one of my personal favorites, and that's uh, that's Mr. Gabriel from uh, Malignant. Ah, okay. oh, Malignant. Oh, stop it. Oh, I should have taken the Blair Witch. Yeah. Damn. Oh, Tyler, I'm so intrigued to see whose side you're going to be on with me. <laughs> Actually, I'm not even on either side. I'm on like the middle. I'm like focusing yeah, you're, on Yeah, what are you talking about? You don't even hate the movie. Yeah, I just... There's some cool shit. There is some cool shit. I don't even know who I want for this final pick of the draft. Um, obviously, there's a lot of people we've left off, but... I'll go for. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I'm praying you pick this person I'm thinking of right now. We have. To I get won't. Him in the draft. No, we have to get him in the draft. Did someone take Leatherface? Yeah, yeah accepted. Yeah. Um. Did someone take Jason Voorhees? No. No. I'll take Jason. Jason. We didn't pick him. That's crazy. Who? Justin Long in Barbarian. Oh, what are we talking God. about right now? <laughs> okay. Like, he's like. I thought you one. had like an actual we... pick. Yeah. That is an actual pick. God, that guy's fucking I am, crazy. I am stunned you didn't pick the Blair Witch. Honestly, Zenimals. I can't. I cannot believe uh, it. Yeah, true, sir. I. I'm stunned Chucky, you didn't put the Chuck, tall Chucky guy. Chucky and Annabelle, a couple of dolls, snow. I thought you'd pick like the tall guy and fucking it follows. Like tall guy who walks in <laughs> what, room. What's the name? Shit. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Is he got a name? Like it's just tall guy in room. Just creepy guy in doorway. <laughs> Although he was very creepy, so I would have given it. Like, oh, to be fair, like, if you can't in the light. I nearly picked to, like Willem Dafoe in the lighthouse, but I think that's like teetering on horror thriller. I don't really know where I, where I stand with that one. Oh, Annie um, Wilkes would have been a good pick when we were just talking Annie about Wilkes that. Annie Wilkes would have been a good pick. Damn, we I would have picked just uh, about a Xenomorph, like an alien. A Xenomorph, an alien. Yeah, would have been a Xenomorph great could have been good. Um, I thought you'd have gone for the shark in Jaws, because I know you think that's like a cause of horror, <laughs> isn't it? So, like, uh, in terms of iconic, like, that would have been a good one. That's what one. I mean. Yeah. Could have got like Florence Pugh in Midsummer. Mm. Oh. Or her sister, who's like yeah, killed her parents and herself in like the weirdest, most wild way ever. Or the, or the guy with the fucking the mallet, because that guy did some damage. And you can pick him. That'd be crazy. <laughs> they have a wild card oh, pick. God. <laughs> Jesus, there are some fucked up characters out here. All right. Seth took Mr. Jack Torrance, Leatherface, Frankenstein, RJ McReady, McReady, uh, and the mutant baby from Eraserhead. Uh, myself, that's the winning took, pick, right there. That, yeah, there it is. That's what people are gonna vote for. I took Michael Myers, Ash Williams, Hannibal Lecter, Ellen Ripley, and Mr. Goatbriel. Uh, and then Tyler took Ghostface, Norman Bates, Jigsaw, Pennywise, and Mr. Jason Voorhees. Um, I just watched Friday the 13th yesterday because it was Friday the 13th. That movie is painfully average There's so many people not even average it's just like well it's friday the 13th i want it's like the first I, time it happened in october and probably seven yeah years. i know and once i saw it that it was friday the 13th i was like okay i like i have to fucking do this obviously i don't um, want to watch that again though. i watched it years ago i was like this is mad yeah. i don't want to watch it again 
I also just, I also watched I mean? it like I was working from home, so like I was like half paying attention. Like after like yeah, the first yeah, yeah. twenty minutes, I was like, you know what? Like that's that's it. People I, I, tell me like seven's better. I'm like, I'm not watching that. Many. I'm not <laughs> watching all of these. At people all. were seven of those. people were DMing me like, what should I watch for Friday the Thirteenth? And I I'd never seen the original, and a lot of people I saw already logged it and were like not liking it. So I was like, I, I'm not gonna recommend that. I'm like. Freaky Friday. Watch that instead. That's Freaky a good Friday, Friday the Thirteenth. That's, uh, that's a cab recommendation. Yeah, but. it's a good movie. I know it's a remake, but the Lindsay Lohan, Jamie Lee Curtis one. Like I, I watched that so much as a kid. That was a fun movie. I got to rewatch that. Um, but I, I mean, right, I haven't seen it since like seven. But yeah. yeah, that wraps up week three of our our little horror special. We hope you guys enjoyed again little oddball episode because we didn't really have any new releases. I know, I know, Seth and I touched on some festival stuff and. Um, we didn't go see the Eras Tour movie. Yeah, we we did not go see the. Eras <laughs> and I will tour. not be seeing that. At yeah, point I, in my I, life. I I love the TikToks. I was just laughing my ass off in bed all day, like scrolling through people in the theater. Like it was so <laughs> funny. That was one of my favorite TikToks I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, but this was fun. This was a good little conversation. Good you little dissection. Also say that me and Tyler. Are- probably going to be reviewing getting a review out for killers of the flower moon as well yeah we'll like see we have to yeah, we're gonna have to do something creative for next week's episode but, yeah. which i still haven't confirmed but we'll figure yeah, it so out so we'll check it, it might, maybe next week will be a shorter episode just depending on timing but we'll try definitely obviously get something out um yeah you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll text each other about our availabilities uh, but shout out to our, our that our, we do actually speak. If you're listening to this, we do actually speak outside <laughs> of the podcast. It's crazy, I know. Too too much, Sometimes. I would say. Too often. <laughs> yeah, um, shout out to our executive producers: Al Bodie, Alexander Kephart, Max Wells, Remy Walker, <laughs> Stefan Johnson, Seven Mod, Jeffy, AJ Quigley, Alex Bisco, Ben Leggy, Ben Hansi, Benjamin Vetch, Bram Vitz, Brody Young, uh, Callum Singh, Cody Whitney, Connor. That's a tough last name, Connor. Canocton, sorry if I pronounced that wrong. I definitely did. Dakota Buckner, Gene Cutamaniti, Dylan Chip, Ferdinand 04, Hamish Edwards, uh, Isaiah, James Magos, Jimmy O'Connor, John Anderson, Jordan Gag, Josh Hines, um, Casper Lundberg, Luke Deerhog, Marcellus, Matthew Bradley, uh, Raheem Bate, Reese David, Roko 1.0, Robert Leo Gizlazen, Sam Soria, Sean Morales, Tad and Bougie, Trey Arzi, Will Kim, Eunice BBX, and Zach Graves. Again, guys, we cannot thank all of you guys for your constant love, support, for tuning in every week to listening to the four idiots talk about movies that we love. Um, if you guys want to take a look at our patron and if you guys want to suggest us movies, uh, games, drafts, or just any discussion that you guys want to uh, listen to for for our for our, for our patrons um, for our real quicks. I know you guys recommend a lot of drafts and rankings, but if you guys just want to recommend literally anything for us to discuss, you know, we'll yeah. we'll, we'll kind of expand there as well. Uh, but that wraps up Real Talk episode fifty eight. We'll see you on Thursday for Real Quick one hundred and two, where Tyler and I draft um, horror movies below a 3.0 average rating on letterboxd oh i wanted to do that (laughs) and then (laughs) and then friday real quick episode 103 tyler and i review one of my favorite horror movies the descent thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you in a couple days